Locked On Dolphins, hosted by Travis Wingfield. Your daily podcast on the Miami Dolphins, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm in town to play the Dolphins, you dumbass. What is up, Dolphins, and welcome into the Tuesday, June the 18th edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and as always, I'm here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, I'm going to lay out my Dolphins depth chart as it stands here today on June 18th. Plus, we go back to campus to continue the face of the franchise series. Today, we'll discuss Georgia True Junior Jake Fromm, and we'll wrap things up with my preview of the AFC West. All of that and more, but first, before any of it, I kindly invite each and every one of you to please subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcast, Himalaya, Stitcher, Tuned In, Google Play, wherever you get your podcast from. Go ahead and subscribe, rate, and review the show. Give me a follow on Twitter. It's at NFL. the number one follow on Dolphins Twitter, as voted by Dolphins Twitter, and you can follow the show at LockedOnFins. Check out LockedOnDolphins.com. There are tons of videos and quotes and breakdowns of these college quarterbacks. We have Tua Tungavailoa, Jake Fromm today, and Justin Herbert coming out tomorrow. So check out the LOD website. We've also got the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts, like the Locked On Heat podcast and Locked On NFL podcast for all the local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Let's go ahead and jump right in. So up on LockedOnDolphins.com is a piece by our staff writer, Andrew Mitchell. You can find him on Twitter at Mitch Pro. He detailed his five choices for new leaders to assume the roles vacated by guys like Cameron Wake, Ryan Tannehill, or even those before them like Michael Thomas, or do you want to go back to Jarvis Landry? Either way, the Dolphins have some voids at leadership positions, and I think that his first two options, Minka Fitzpatrick and Raekwon McMillan, were drafted here in large part because of their leadership abilities, so I am in lockstep with Andrew on that idea. They talked about it in the first game last year. Chris Carter was calling the Dolphins game against the Titans in week one in that first quarter when Minka made multiple plays in that quarter. And Chris Carter told us, the audience, that Adam Gase had told him that if Minka Fitzpatrick was not a rookie, he would have been voted a team captain. So I think that that is a very sound choice. And we've also heard about McMillan's leadership prowess and getting guys lined up the right way the last couple of years. So those two guys, for me, are the leaders of this defense on offense. You'd obviously like to see a quarterback assume that role. And if Josh Rosen is to be the guy, he'll have to be the one that does that on offense. We still have Kenny Stills. I think Laramie Tunzel is a great option for that as well. But the rest of the offense, it's mostly a new and or young core. So maybe someone else is going to have to step up and really deliver on that side of things. And as you'll hear in segment number two of this podcast, leadership is possibly the core tenant by which Brian Flores and Chris Greer evaluate players. So it'll be interesting to see how that develops on the offensive side and defensive side, respectively, this year. Let's go ahead and play a fun little game to begin this podcast in segment number one here on the June 18th podcast, the Lockdown Dolphins podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. And I want to start with a disclaimer that I'm not going to give you a 53-man roster prediction just yet. We'll do that before camp starts, probably on the eve of training camp. And we'll also do a revised vision prior to to final cuts in September, but this is simply an off-season conversation fodder to figure out who the prominent players are going to be on this team. So I'll rip off four to five guys at each position and order them based upon who I think plays the most. Let's go ahead and start at the quarterback position, and this is a great opportunity 
opportunity to further explain the rules of my game here. I do think that Ryan Fitzpatrick will start opening day for Miami against the Baltimore Ravens on September the 8th, but I think that Josh Rosen will play more snaps and I think we should all hope for that. So he is the number one quarterback. So the quarterback depth chart, it only goes too deep for me. Josh Rosen, number one. Ryan Fitzpatrick, number two. At running back, there has been a lot of conversation and even some consternation over which running back will be the starter and the number one ball carrier. And everybody seems to be jumping on the Kalen Balazs train. And frankly, I was probably the driver of the Kalen Balazs train last season. But I think that Kenyon Drake is a special player with special talents. And I think that once he is given the opportunity to be the guy in an offense, I think he'll finally show his superstar potential that he possesses. So he is my number one. Kalen Balaj is the 1B and Miles Gaskin, the third option, the rookie in the seventh round, will back up both of those two guys. At fullback, another rookie takes a starting spot there in Chandler Cox, but I have Nick O'Leary listed as the number two fullback, and that really functions in two forms, both as a fullback and as an H-back that works in a variety of roles, primarily as the kickout blocker on split zone where the tight end comes across the formation and wipes out the backside to create a lane on the front side of the formation. Nick O'Leary can excel in that role. At wide receiver, I still think Kenny Stills is the number one receiver on this team for snaps. He's durable. He's been healthy lately, and he's always going to be where you want him to be. And he also sets other guys up with decoy routes and running them full speed. I just think this Dolphins coaching staff is really going to put a lot of value into what Kenny Stills does that isn't maybe as apparent as some of the stuff that happens in the box score. The number two receiver, if he can get healthy, I'm still concerned about the hip to be perfectly honest, but I think that Albert Wilson rather will be the number two receiver on this team, both from a targets and snap count perspective. Jakeem Grant is my number three receiver. I think he deserves a chance to be one of the prominent receivers in this offense. And then Devontae Parker will be my number four receiver rounding out the group as the primary X receiver position on the team. I think you could decide between one of the other guys for the fifth spot, between Bryce Butler, Preston Williams, Isaiah Ford, even maybe Reese Horn from the AAF. Nonetheless, the top four guys I think are pretty cut and clear. At tight end, I had to make a decision here, but I ultimately went with Mike Kosicki as the number one, with Dwayne Allen right behind him as the number two, and then a considerable drop-off to Durham Smythe, and Nick O'Leary as the fourth tight end because I think he plays more in that H-back role and functions as a dual-purpose type of player on this offense. Along the off Offensive line, Laramie Tunzel, Michael Dieter, Dan Kilgore, Chris Reed, Jesse Davis are the starters. My top swing tackle is Jordan Mills, the free agent acquisition from the Buffalo Bills. And the swing interior guy, I think this guy might wind up coming from the uh, from the scrap heap of free agents once cuts happen late in the season. And if you guys want to hear a great tidbit on cuts and when to improve the roster in September and August, Tom Telesco was on the Move the Sticks podcast last week, the GM of the Los Angeles Chargers, almost said San Diego. And he made a great point that basically the rosters right now, you're kind of stuck with what you've got. And if you are going to pick somebody up in August, in September, it's probably going to be a depth guy. And most positions are depleted at that point of the calendar because no one wants to let go of offensive linemen. So this guy... The top swing interior lineman on this team could come from another roster, but right now I'll go with Calhoun, the undrafted free agent from Mississippi State. So he's up there on the defensive line. My number one guy is Christian Wilkins. Number two, Devon Godshaw, playing that nose and sub-package three technique. The number three is Vincent Taylor. I've got Charles Harris and Tank Carradine there at four and five with Akeem Spence as the sixth highest snap taker on the defensive line. That one I think I feel least confident in as far as those four, five, and six guys go. That could be shuffled up 
in a variety of ways. At linebacker, to me, I think it's obvious that Raekwon McMillan is the guy on this defense in the middle to basically patrol the defense and be the quarterback of the defense. Jerome Baker, I think, has an expanded role this year as well. Although, as Kevin Dern will tell us, it's not quite clear what exactly he's going to do. Is he really a good pure pass rusher? I'm not sure. Probably a better blitzer, but you have to kind of rush the passer one-on-one in this defense as an outside linebacker. Kiko Alonso, the number three, and Andrew Van Ginkle, the rookie from Wisconsin, the number four linebacker. At cornerback, I'm going Xavier Howard, number one. That's a given. Bobby McCain, the slot nickel slash safety cornerback, number two in that position. And Eric Rowe, the number three guy. And mainly because of injuries for Eric Rowe, do I doubt his ability to stay on the field. At safety, Minka Fitzpatrick, I don't think will leave the field this year. Rashad Jones will play a lot. And TJ McDonald will have definite sub package roles on this defense as well. And I got to say, guys, talking about this, watching all this college tape this week, man, I am getting fucking jazzed for football season, boys and girls, the few of you that listen to the podcast. And while we're on this topic of getting jazzed, before we get into segment number two, I want to tell you guys about Blue Chew. Because if watching tape on college football's two best quarterbacks the last few days doesn't do it for you the way it does for me, then maybe it's time to think about getting yourself some Blue Chew. Listen up. BlueChew.com, that's blue like the color blue, BlueChew.com brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach, and since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever the opportunity arises. Blue Chew is prescribed online and ships straight to your door in a discreet package, so no in-person doctor's visits, no waiting in the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness. They're made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than a pharmacy. Right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free when using our special promo code Locked On. Just pay $5 shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E-Chew.com. Promo code Locked On to try it for free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring the podcast. So I think I've discussed this on the podcast, probably more on Twitter recently, how disappointed I am in Dairy Queen's decision to discontinue the Reese's Outrageous Blizzard, which featured Reese's Pieces, Reese's Peanut Butter Cups, and a Peanut Butter Swirl in the Blizzard, which was just full of toppings and full of deliciousness. And quite frankly, one of my favorite desserts, even though it's a chain fast food restaurant ice cream, it was top shelf. But last night, I recreated my own little Cold Stone Creamery in the house when my wife brought home a bunch of toppings for her end of school year classroom celebration party with Snickers and M&M's and chocolate chip cookie dough and what was the other one? Cookies and cream and all these toppings. And I took it out on a cutting board, mashed it up, put it all into one thing and made my own Reese's Outrageous Blizzard, but use Snickers and M&M's. And let me tell you, that's probably the way to go. It was one of the best ice cream treats I'd ever had in my life. But that's neither here nor there. Let's get back to the piece up on LockedOnDolphins.com as the face of the franchise series continues here on LOD.com. We started off on yesterday's podcast talking about Tua Tonga-Vailoa and everybody's favorite to be the number one pick in the draft next year and the guy that everybody wants to quote-unquote tank the season for. Well, after watching Jake Fromm play, I'm not sure if there's that big of a gap between the two. 
And if you guys go to the website and find the tape evaluation, you'll see plenty of videos that showcase some of the strengths of Jake Fromm's game. But I start off talking about the fact that as a true freshman in 2017, he came in for an injured Jacob Eason, who was a five-star recruit nonetheless, and took over the starting job and never relinquished his starter status. And then he took the Bulldogs nearly to a national championship in that overtime game against Alabama and to Otunga Vailoa. And then he comes back in 2018 with the number one high school prospect in the nation coming to Georgia in Justin Fields. And all Jake Fromm does is come back his sophomore season and post nearly an identical statistical season, a little bit better across all metrics, to send Justin Fields into the transfer portal where he goes now to Ohio State. Jake Eason is up in UW with Chris Peterson at Washington. So Fromm has sent off two five-star recruits, two guys that are probably going to get drafted in the NFL in the next couple of years. And Jake Fromm is the one still standing. And a lot of that comes because he is, quote, a Kirby Smart guy, end quote. And it's very, very apparent on the tape, but also in the way that Kirby Smart talks about Jake Fromm from the cerebral aptitude, understanding the offense and the concepts and how to attack defenses because of those concepts. Fromm is a gamer, a film junkie, a gym rat. He's going to outwork and outprepare his competitors. And Kirby Smart said this about him when he recruited him. He's coming in highly regarded, a heralded recruit, but he's very serious, very professional about his work. He's a great leader in the locker room. Guys respect him. He's got good arm strength and he's a good decision maker. All of that stuff apparent on tape, again, as I said, except maybe the arm strength, which we'll get into here. But I think the most important traits that the two guys who are most important in this organization value are the leadership and accuracy. Brian Flores and Chris Greer. You can go back to the combine, to OTAs. Pretty much anytime those guys are asked questions about what they look for in the quarterbacks, those are the things that come first. Brian Flores said, we want guys that are accurate, guys that have command of the offense and are strong leaders. And then later on at OTA said, from a from a leadership standpoint, first and foremost, the role of the quarterback is getting everybody lined up, getting in and out of the huddle. We want to see a crisp operation. And you go back to the combine to Chris Greer, who hasn't spoken nearly as much as Brian Flores, but he said this, quote, the quarterback has to be able to connect with multiple personalities and characters in the locker room. It doesn't matter how athletic or how big the arm is on the quarterback. If he isn't wired a certain way, none of that matters, end quote. And Jake Fromm, to me, is wired that way. And I started off the article with a clip from Netflix's QB1 Beyond the Lights, a great series that features top quarterback prospects throughout the course of their senior years in high school. And there's a great clip up on the article where Jake Fromm's little brother, who's the backup quarterback, is struggling with putting together the whiteboard concepts the coach is asking him about. And Jake Fromm takes over and just starts going over protections and route concepts. A lot of fun to watch. At 18 years old, this kid was very, very sharp. And we'll go ahead and get into his scouting report now and the things that really set him apart aside from the leadership and the intangibles off the field there to me is not a more accurate passer in the country than Jake Fromm and he has the utmost confidence in his ability to fit the balls into tight windows because of that elite placement now whether it's trail technique from the defensive back a crossing face route where a guy comes from the from the field side of the formation and crosses over a safety he knows how to jam the ball into tight windows on pretty much every throw except for fastball drive throws he He's not going to hit those all the time, but when it comes to touch and accuracy and placement, the ball's always going to be where it has to be. And part of that is his ability with that leadership and off-field preparation to develop chemistry with his skill guys and the natural feel for throwing the football. He's studious in nature, both on the practice field and in the film room. And I think that's evident by the way he puts the ball out there 
on time with anticipation and great accuracy. And the next portion of his game that I love is the preparation. I talked about it. There's a great video of him against the Tennessee Volunteers, a two-play video up on the article under the preparation subplot where it shows Jake Fromm throwing against the blitz, throwing right in behind the blitz, but also understanding the spacing and the peril that certain calls put on the defensive backs in the college game. And I think that translates over to the NFL level as well. And I know that comparisons can be really dangerous, but I look at this guy play and I see a lot of Tom Brady in the way he defeats defenses pre-snap because every defensive coordinator in football knows you blitz Brady, you're going to get, tr- you're going to get smoked. And the same thing's basically true of Jake Fromm. He knows where the blitz is. He knows what his route concepts are, and he knows where the ball has to go against that pressure. He is cool as can be under that pressure. He anticipates with elite levels of anticipation, understands the leverage that defensive backs have, and he consistently reps this stuff in practice, and it shows up on game day. He also knows how to identify and exploit matchups. Again, another great video against Alabama in this year's SEC championship game. A little arrow route from the boundary side nasty split slot receiver and Jake Fromm knows the blitz comes that direction knows he has a little outcut and then back across the inside and he finds that guy for an accurate perfect pass for a big play all these videos really showcase what I'm talking about so again check out the article on LockedOnDolphins.com face of the franchise series Jake Fromm on the Locked On Dolphins podcast part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Let's go over the things that I'm not too pumped about here real quick. His escapability and ball security are not good. He's not going to flee his spot and make big plays with his legs. He's a little bit heavy-footed that way. He will extend when he recognizes man coverage and sees a big seam open up because guys are chasing receivers down the field, but he's not going to elude compromised pockets. He's not a quick quick twitch athlete, and he struggles to get off that spot regularly. And compounding this area of weakness is sometimes he will hang on to the ball without much conviction in the pocket, and he is susceptible to the fumble turnover because of this. I talked about it in the earlier segments, drive throws, the big strong arm, not something he really has. He's capable of threading tight throws into in-breaking routes like slants and digs and that type of thing, but his play caller at the next level is going to have to be conscious of the arm strength and not have him throwing deep outs against good cornerbacks that can drive out of a backpedal and make a play on the football. His potential fit with the Dolphins to me is glove-like. I think he's the best scheme fit for this team in this offense, just like Tom Brady was with Chad O'Shea and Josh McDaniels and all those guys up in New England. It's smart. It's cerebral. It puts the quarterback in a position where he can beat teams with preparation and pre-snap. And that's who Jake Fromm is. He can beat you in a multitude of different concepts, like the mesh concept, which is basically just crossing patterns across the middle of the field that puts the linebackers in peril, and also to attack single high coverage or cover three deep on the back end to the perimeter portions of the field with the smash concepts. He can throw up the perimeter against man coverage, and his patience, where he's willing to take what the defense gives him, can exploit teams and man coverage that way as well. The only thing I think that Jake Fromm is missing that Brian Flores has alluded to in regards to what he wants at quarterback is the athletic traits and mobility. But besides that, he is pretty much a perfect glove-like fit. I think that he embodies everything Brian Flores wants to build this football team around at the quarterback position. Okay, let's send this into our last break before we come back on the other side and talk about the AFC West. We're talking about Chiefs, Chargers, Broncos, and Raiders, as well as the matchup between LA and Miami this coming season. All of that next here on the Locked On Dolphins podcast at Wingfield NFL at Locked On Fins. So we talked about some ice cream in the last segment. Let's go ahead and talk about the main course for Father's Day. As I was in charge of the kitchen 
and really got after it with some nice barbecue ribs, some excellent cheeseburgers, some asparagus with some nice Johnny seasoning salt and some Parmesan cheese. We basically had all the works here for Father's Day and I got quite a few compliments for my chef's hat and chef skills in doing so. And since everybody's hungry now for some barbecue and we're always hungry for football, let's go ahead and talk about the AFC West and kick it off with the defending division champion, Kansas City Chiefs. And everything here starts with Pat Mahomes. I think we all know that. He was pretty much Dan Marino circa 1984 this past season. Will he ever match his first full season as a starter? It's doubtful. I mean, the numbers tell you it's doubtful. And this comes from really his biggest fan. I was crazy about Pat Mahomes back at Texas Tech. He worked out pretty well for them. The Tyreek Hill situation really holds these predictions up in the air for this team. I really hope that Hill gets banished from the league forever because he's a scumbag, but I know that's not going to happen. And if he's back, this offense should pick up where it left off. Travis Kelsey is the best tight end in football, and it's awesome to see Damian Williams, the former Dolphin, take over the starter's role for the former Chief scumbag Kareem Hunt, who was kicked off the team last year for being a scumbag. They're solid up front with Levant Duvernay-Tardif, Eric Fisher, Austin Ritter, and plenty of depth on the offensive line. On defense, getting Frank Clark was one of the biggest acquisitions of the offseason, and he and Chris Jones on the inside, who was one of the least talked about stars in this league, I think make a huge impact on this defensive line, even without D Ford. At linebacker, they're pretty thin, but getting Darren Lee for cheap, if he can come back this year and Anthony Hitchens can play better in year number two with the Chiefs, I think that unit could improve a little bit. Getting Tyron Matthew was huge for the defense because I think this defense has to be built on creating turnovers, and that's what he does best when he's healthy. But the rest of the secondary is pretty questionable outside of guys like Kyle Fuller and former Dolphins safety Jordan Lucas, who has made a name for himself in one year in Kansas City. The Dolphins' AFC West opponent this year is the Chargers in week number four, September 29th at 1 o'clock Eastern time. And even though Miami has kind of had the Chargers number in South Florida in the Phillip Rivers era, I just don't like this matchup. I think Rivers is one of those guys that can match wits with Brian Flores, and they're just loaded all over the offense and, frankly, all over the roster. It'll be interesting to see if they can finally develop Forrest Lamp and Dan Feeney on the interior offensive line, but Rivers masks a lot of protection issues with the quick strikes to the filthiest route runner in the entire NFL and Keenan Allen. Nobody can release better than Keenan Allen, except maybe Michael Thomas might have an argument, as well as Antonio Brown and others, but you get the picture. He's one of the elites in the league. On defense, defense, Derwin James got the better of Josh Rosen last year, and I would expect more of the same this year. He's just an elite player already one year in. Then there's the issue of blocking Joey Bosa and Melvin Ingram off the edge. I'm fully confident in Laramie Tunzel, but one of those guys is going to get cracks at Jesse Davis at right tackle, and we should probably pray for Jesse Davis in those situations. Then they go out and draft Jerry Tillery to help inside, and they picked up Thomas Davis to go with a nice linebacking core already in place. The secondary is flat-out elite. We talked about Derwin James. Casey Hayward is one of the top cornerbacks in football. I think Nasir Adderley adds a lot to that defense, and Desmond King has been a huge get for them last couple of years. This is a Super Bowl team, in my opinion, and one that could run the Dolphins off the field in that week four game. And then there's a huge drop off to the next two teams in the division. The Broncos under John Elway are a total mess. He still just hasn't learned his lessons when it comes to acquiring quarterbacks as he goes after quite literally the second worst starting quarterback in football the last few years in Joe Flacco behind Eli Manning. They lose Matt Paradis on the interior and will probably kick former first round draft pick Garrett Bowles inside unless they want to try him at left tackle again where he's been pretty bad. Jawan James and Dalton Reisner to me were excellent pickups. It'll be fun to see Philip Lindsay in his second year with maybe some better blocking this year as well. On defense, Von Miller spearheads that group that has really 
dramatically changed over the years. They go, they got Chris Harris's contract situation ironed out. He's one of the elite cornerbacks in this league, but this defense has a lot of holes on it still. I love the Bryce Callahan pickup, but that gives them basically two primary slots. And I know Chris Harris kicks outside in their base packages. And when Bryce Callahan comes on the field, he'll be outside as well. But I think both those guys are best served inside. That could be a roster type issue going forward. Then there's the good old Oakland Raiders, one of the teams in contention for Tua Tonga Vailoa. John Gruden and Mike Mayock are a total trip to me. They make this point about going after character and leadership with Cleveland Farrell in that first round. Then they come back and sign Richie Incognito a month later. Okay, I guess. And then there's Antonio Brown, who is one of the greatest receivers of all time, but he's a bit off his rockers these days, isn't he? Derek Carr's 2016 was a total farce. I don't believe in him at all, but I am excited to see Josh Jacobs work as a pro, the Alabama product who was so fantastic last year in the college football playoffs. They went ham on the offensive line. They signed Trent Brown to a huge deal and sent Kaleche Osemele to the Jets, the Stige, but they've gotten they've got to get much more out of 2018 first-round draft pick Colton Miller. That was a reach at the time, and he was awful last season on defense. They've got a solid rotation on the defensive line with Eddie Vanderdose, PJ Hall, Jonathan Hankins, Moe Hurst, and a decent slew of edge guys in Arden Key and Cleland Furl. The linebacker position has potential with Brandon Marshall and Tahir Whitehead, but they, for some reason, decided to go out and add Vontez Perfect, and that, to me, is a very questionable move to this Raiders team. On the back end, I loved the Jonathan Abram draft pick. You guys know that. Darion Conley is slowly developing, and Nevin Lawson and Daryl Worley have some talent on the back end. LaMarcus Joyner was an excellent free agent signing, the best they made, but this team is still severely lacking across the board. The best in this division, the best player, Pat Mahomes, no question there. Best offensive player, Tyreek Hill, if he's going to play. The best defensive players, Probably still Von Miller, but I think Derwin James has a case to get up there this year. Best offensive rookie for me is Broncos tight end Noah Fant. Best defensive rookie could be Cleveland Farrell, but I'm going to go with Nasir Adderley on the Chargers. The best coach is far and away Andy Reid. And the best rivalry, this is probably a dumb segment as I've just been going with the top two teams in the divisions. I'm not going to stop that today. It's Chiefs and Chargers. They those, those guys this year, it should come down to the final game of the season this year. And that game last season on Thursday Night Football, when the Chargers beat the Chiefs, was absolute aces. They match up well, strength on strength across the board. But as for today's podcast... That is going to be my time. We're going to come back on tomorrow's show with Justin Herbert's quarterback profile, preview the AFC South and some other Dolphins news as we always do. But as for now, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on the Apple Podcast app. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. Check out the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts for all your local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Follow me on Twitter. It's at NFL. The show is at Locked On Fins. Keep up to date on the Daily Dolphins blog over at LockedOnDolphins.com for all the college quarterback scouting reports. You guys have a great rest of your night. We'll talk to you again tomorrow for another edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast, your daily dose for Miami Dolphins football. <laughs>